Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. So we're kicking off a new series this morning and uh, it's called Thriving Relationships. Thriving Relationships and um, this has been something that's been on my heart now for a while and um, through just personal experiences and my family and then uh, through just uh, observing some things as well, I just felt that this will be something important to just get into a little bit, uh, just talking about relationships and God's desire for us is to enjoy thriving relationships. Life ultimately, if you think about it, it is all about relationships. Um, so God's design and desire for us is to enjoy thriving relationships and life is all about relationships. Firstly, relationship with God, relationship with one another as believers, but then also relationship um, to the lost world out there. Like you can't avoid relationships. You can't firstly, obviously, avoid relationship with God. Um, you can try, but your life will be depressed. Your life will be bitter. You, you, you're operating outside of your design. And then in the same vein, we also created for relationships with one another, with people. And so because that's something that's a reality, we need to understand and, and learn how to cultivate healthy, thriving relationships, how to facilitate having and enjoying healthy relationships. And we need to have this healthy understanding and approach to relationships because it will affect all the areas of our lives, every area of your life. If you've got a, a, a form of dissatisfaction or or uh, not experiencing full joy, it's most likely because there's a relationship strain. Whether it's at work, whether it's in your family, whether it's in, in the church family. And so I think uh, it goes without saying, all of us want to enjoy thriving relationships. All of us want to experience more fruit in our relationships, more joy, more peace, more, more just contentment. And none, none of this strive and like, comparison and things like that but the question is are you ready to cultivate that are you ready to 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 cultivate your heart to experience healthy thriving relationships because God's not going to just fall it on you or make it manifest in your life it's something we need to respond to as many of the truths and the things that God has asked for us it's going to require a response and this morning we're going to look at it lies in the sauce. Chutney, tomato, mayo. James chapter 3 verse 16. James 3 verse 16 says, So wherever jealousy and selfishness are uncovered, you will also find many troubles and every kind of meanness. The Amplified Classic says, For wherever there is jealousy, envy and contention, rivalry and selfish ambition, there will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. In simple English, wherever there's self-centeredness, you'll always find destruction. Self-centeredness. Thinking about yourself more than you're thinking about the other person. Thinking about yourself more than you considering what Christ has done for you. We're going to go to the, the story of the, 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 the Good Samaritan. So you guys can turn to Luke chapter 10. 
Luke 10, verse 25 to 37. And this is an awesome uh, parable, and we're going to jump into uh, the, just the context of this, uh, why Jesus shared this parable. So we're reading from verse 25. I'm reading from the message translation. It says, Just then a religious scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do you need to do to get eternal life? So the question is flawed. Oftentimes we, we're answering people's question, but we're wasting time because the question is flawed. And so we need to investigate and get to the root of the actual question. That's what Jesus always did when he responded, whether with a question or whether he responded with a, a statement. So Jesus answered, what's written in God's law? Why is he, this is awesome, why is he responding with the law? Because the guy, the guy is asking, what do I need to do? So Jesus responded in accordance with what he asked him, but not because Jesus was unaware of what the root of this guy's heart was because he was going to get to this root. And so then the guy responds. This is also cool. Um, the, the, the message translates the second part. Yeah, uh, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? Because if you don't, you can know the, the law. You can know the Bible. But if you're misinterpreting it, you're going to sit with a mess. Right, so it's vitally important. We see this throughout the Word that we need to rightly divide the Word of truth. We need to study. We need to get into the Word. We need to stand on grace. So he said, how do you interpret it? Verse 27, he said, that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, Jesus said. Do it and you'll live. Do it and you'll live. What Jesus didn't say is, do it and you'll have eternal life. Remember the, guy, the guy's question was, how do I get eternal life? But Jesus responded, do it and you'll live. Why did he say you will live if you do these things? Because it will produce a certain amount of fruitfulness. If you live a holy life because you're focusing on a set of rules, you'll experience some sense of fruitfulness. For example, if you don't steal, it's a good thing because you won't go to jail. So in that sense, you're living, right? You guys get the point here. So Jesus didn't say you'll have eternal life. He said, do this and you will live. Then he goes on, verse 29, looking for a loophole, the scholar, he asked, and just how would you define neighbor? <laughs> and so oftentimes we're asking questions, but we're not really seeking truth. We, we, we're trying to find a loophole. Case in point, I shared on generosity this morning and, and giving. And some of you are thinking here this morning, like, you're looking for a loophole. You're like, oh, like I'm, I'm sure there's like, I don't need to actually give because God loves me so much that He doesn't want me to give. And you're like this religious scholar looking for a loophole. Not understanding the heart of giving. Not understanding the, the invitation and where it's coming from. So who is my neighbor? Jesus answered by telling a story.
There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across the other side. So here, the guy that was uh, robbed, mobbed, beaten, um, in the context, if you go and study it out, it is clear that he was a Jewish man. Okay? So now a Jewish priest comes along, and he angles across to the other side. Then a Levite, also a Jew, a religious man, showed up. He also avoided the injured man. And then a Samaritan, which was not a pure Jew. If you understand that, there was a lot of conflict and tension and strife between the Jews and the Samaritans. So a Samaritan man traveling the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay it on my way back. What do you think? Which of the, the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? Then the one who treated him, or the one who treated him kindly, the religious scholar responded. Jesus said, Go and do the same. Go and do the same. So there's a lot in this passage of scripture. And I just I've already pointed out a, a few things, but it's interesting here. Um, one of the things that's, that's also interesting, the, the scholar didn't ask Jesus about the first commandment. He asked Jesus about the second commandment. Right? So he, he listed the, the two greatest commandments, and then he didn't kind of ask about the commandment to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul, but he asked about the, the second one. And I find it interesting, and I think one of the reasons for that being is that we can easily fake loving God. We can easily kind of say, like, I love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of everything that I have. We can easily sing songs about that. We all sang it this morning. But when it comes to human interaction and human relationships, it's difficult to fake it, right? It's difficult to pretend. When you're upset with someone, it's often very visible. Some people try and hide it, it's still visible. My mom doesn't try, my mom doesn't try and hide when she's upset with someone. She actually wants to show them she's upset with them. She's currently doing that. Not with me, praise God. Not with me. Um, you guys can pray for, for uh, our family and uh, some, some, uh, some of the things going on there. We all have, have those kind of relationships where there's sometimes tension. But uh, this is really cool how the, the guy focused in on and he avoided that because like, it's easy to fake that. But now he's getting on to the, trying to find a loophole in this, this regard specifically. Um, and Jesus beautifully challenges the status quo. The fact that a Samaritan would stop and minister to this guy, a Jew. And so this invitation of, of who's my neighbor goes beyond what we can think or comprehend in the natural. It's noble for a, a person to die for a noble person. But it's another story completely when you die for an unrighteous person. And that's what Jesus demonstrated for us. Romans 8 verse 5. 5 verse 8. 5 verse 8. 
Romans 5 verse 8, that Christ died, died for us while we were still sinners. Christ demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners. Jesus is also in the story the Good Samaritan who died for unworthy people, people who did not deserve. And he went above and beyond. He didn't wait for us to do something, but he led with actions. The problem with the scholar wasn't, he wasn't searching for truth. He wasn't ready to receive a word that was different to what he was brought up to believe. Oftentimes we come to church and we're not ready to receive a word that is different to what we've come to believe because it's nice when we write the whole time. We really enjoy being right and not being wrong. Thanks, Fadi, for honesty, Tani Trudy, for Michael, Tani Bencha. The rest of you don't enjoy being right. Wow. Interesting. It's, it's fun when you're on the right track. It's, it's, it's just amazing. But when you get stopped and you're like, where are you going to? And you think, oh, man, I'm on, I'm on the right track. And then you realize, not so much. You want to fight against that because like, surely you're on the right track because you know all things. You've got the mind of Christ. and We're all learning and growing, but to the degree that you are choosing to be humble. If there's no humility in you, I can also say that there's probably no growth in you. Because growth and humility goes hand in hand. Always, God said, humble yourself under His hand and you will be exalted. You will mature. You will grow. But if you don't, no growth, no maturity. If we don't come to God's Word with humility every time, we'll remain stuck in our traditions and never mature. Let's look at another account where these two commandments come up. Matthew 22, verse 36 to 40. So we're looking at these two commands and we're going to get to the source of life. Matthew 22, 36 to 40. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and the great commandment and the second is likened unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. It's interesting again how Jesus answers this question. Because he asks, which is the great commandment, singular? And then Jesus gives him two commandments. Now, after the two, there were other, other commandments as well. If you guys know the, know the story. So a religious guy asked for one commandment. The great one. And Jesus could have stopped with the first one, right? But it's easy to fake the first one. Not so much the second. It's easy to say that I do love the Lord, the God, with all of my heart, with all of my life. I'm here at church on Sunday morning, for example. I pray. I go to life group. I'm kind of a nice, uh, a nice person. Like I, I even give. But when it comes to relationships, it's a little bit more challenging. I'm very challenged in life. 
I'm the pastor of you guys. Just joking, guys. Like, it's not that challenging. Like, you, you make my, my, my ministry and my work uh, quite easy. But praise God for His grace as well, because this is where we're getting into. It, it can be super difficult, but it can be super easy. The choice is yours. So Jesus gives these two commandments, and then He says, on these two, very interesting as well, on these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. The Passion Translation says it like this, contained within these two commandments, to love, you will find all the meaning of the law and the prophets. What is He referring to the law and the prophets? He's not talking about the Ten Commandments. The law and the prophets is the books of Moses, first five, and then the prophetic writings. So contained within these two commandments, to love, you will find all the meaning. Say all the meaning of the law and the prophets. The Amplified says it like this. These two commandments sum up, and upon them depend all the law and the prophets. The King James says, on these two hang all of the law and the prophets. The message translation kind of gives this picture that like on these two pegs, all of the law and the prophets kind of hinge. So they keep them together. They, they, they find their meaning within these two. Why is that? Life boils down to these two things. A loving relationship with God and a loving relationship with one another. These two commandments, life boils down to this. Your fulfillment, your joy, your satisfaction hangs on these two things. A loving relationship with God, a loving relationship with the people around you. But how on earth do we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our minds, with all of our souls? How do we love the people that despise us, that abuse us, that talk bad about us, that don't honor us? How on earth do we love those people? How do we love our neighbors as ourselves? And remember, the neighbor is not just the person that's giving you gifts. It's nice to you, invite you over for a bride, says you don't need to bring anything, just come be yourself. I'll provide it all. The neighbor is the person that is different to you, that you don't necessarily have the same likes and personality, culture, background, all of those things. Every person with a face is your neighbor. Every created child of God, the one who knows Him, the ones who don't. So how do we fulfill these two commandments? And by doing so, walk in the reality of Christianity, God's plan for the world. Because on these two commandments, hang all of the law, on these two commandments, we find the purpose and the meaning of life. So how do we step out and fulfill these two? Walk in these two. I'm glad you asked the question. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. If you do not know this passage or this verse off by heart yet, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight words. Memorize it. Plant it in your heart. Make sure you're well acquainted with this. Because this truth we're going to get into and we're going to iron this out and show you 
where the source is. We love Him because we're so amazing and we're so dedicated to His causes and His plans for our lives. No, we love Him because He first loved you. The first thing that you need to come to know, not just today, tomorrow and every day thereafter, is that He first loved you. Then you get to love Him. Like the first commandment says, loving the Lord your God with all of your heart. If you come to know that He loves you, you will start to love Him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with everything that you have, your finances, your time, everything. When you come to know that He first loved you. 1 John 4, 20 and 21 says, Anyone can say, I love God, yet have hatred towards his brother. So again, John is also showing us that it's easy to say that I love God. It's easy to kind of fake it. But it shows whether we truly do in the way we conduct ourselves with one another. It's not condemnation when you have horrible relationships and no one likes you. It's liberation. Because the answer is Jesus. It's simple. Come to experience truly and authentically His love for you. And your relationships will start taking shape. It's easy to say, I love God, yet I have hatred towards one another. This makes him a phony, because if you don't love a brother or sister whom you can see, how can you truly love God who you can't see? For he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also demonstrate love to others. It's so simple. If you have a love for God, you will have a love for the people around you. Why would you have a love for God? Because you've come to know His love for you. Stop trying to work to love God. Stop trying to love one another. Start yielding to His love for you, becoming consumed with His love for you, and you will overflow with love and dedication towards God and towards your brothers and sisters and those who are outside of the family. If we're not demonstrating love to others, we just showing that we're struggling to receive true love from God. Hebrews 11 verse 6, and we're coming to a close. Hebrews 11 verse 6. But without faith, say without faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder, of them that diligently seek Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he that comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Faith is what unlocks eternal life and right standing with God. Faith believes in and relies on God's goodness and love for us. That is faith in its simplest form. Responding to God's love. Believing and relying, depending on God's love for us. That unlocks eternal life. That ushers us into a place of, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want to be a living sacrifice. Not because I have to, but because I can't help 
but not to. Romans 12 verse verse 2. What should be our proper response to all of this? All of what? His love, His mercies, and His grace to become a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice in everything that you do, but a living sacrifice in your relationships too. It will come forth as a proper response to His love, His mercies, His grace towards you. This kind of faith, faith that believes and relies on God's goodness and love for us, this kind of faith in our daily walk is what enables us to walk in love towards one another. A faith life that loves because we are loved and the very source of love lives within us. Last two passages of Scripture, Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 to 17. And the Lord God commanded, say commanded, so this is the first occurrence of the word commanded recorded in the Bible. Now it's important when you find the first of, of specific encounters and to go back to, to the first, so to speak. And so we've been talking about the two great commandments and I've been laboring a specific point and I'm going to labor this through Genesis as well. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may eat freely. Say every tree. Okay, now, there were hundreds, even, no, there were thousands of different trees and fruits in the garden. Oftentimes we think that we had two, two trees in the garden and like, man, it was, it was so tough. It should have been so tough, like just eating of the one tree and they're not able to eat of another tree. <laughs> Every tree. If you think about the amounts of fruits and whatever you can eat today that's out there, now, It was the same in the garden. So God invited them to eat of every tree in the garden. That's abundance. It's generosity. It's love. Of every tree of the garden you must freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. Now what was included in every tree that they may eat of? The tree of life. It doesn't say it there, but that's every tree was included, or the fruit of tree of, of, of life is included in every tree that God designed and purposed for them to eat of. He just singles out the tree of knowledge of good and evil that they should not eat thereof. This is the first commandment recorded for us in the Bible, and it shows exactly what was on God's heart for us. What was that? The tree of life, Jesus. The tree of life, Jesus. Adam and Eve didn't displease God because of what they did. What does Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 say? For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Adam and Eve did not displease God because of what they did. They displeased God because of what they believed. They displeased God because they did not have faith in Him. That's simple Christianity, guys. It's faith in God and only faith in God that pleases Him. 
Faith in God that He is good. Faith in God that He is faithful. Faith in God that His love for us is extravagant. It does not hold back. It does not keep record of wrongs. It's not boastful. His love never fails. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's God's love. You can too love like 1 Corinthians chapter 13 demonstrates. But it's in response to you receiving that love from God. First and foremost. When God commanded the man, it was an invitation to experience life. To eat of the tree of life. To experience true love. But in order for us to to live in that way, we're going to need to put our faith in God and not in ourselves. We're going to need to put our faith in His faithfulness, in His goodness, in His unfailing love. And when we do, we'll start walking out in all of His commandments, His statues. Last verse, John 13, 34. A new commandment I give unto you, Say new. new. Okay, so we're talking about commandments, guys. Exciting, right? Uh, coming to a grace church and talking about commandments. Now, we need to understand and interpret the commandments through the lens of Jesus. Because then it gets exciting. Then it gets empowering. A new commandment I give unto you. So Jesus is speaking here. And He says, a new commandment I give unto you. That you love one another. How's that a new commandment? Because we've been talking about this this whole morning. How's that a new commandment? To love one another. We saw that Jesus said that that's the second great commandment, likened unto the first one. To love one another. To love your neighbor as yourself. We see this coming up in Deuteronomy, Leviticus. It comes out throughout the law and throughout the Bible. To love God, but then secondly, to love one another. So why on earth is Jesus saying this is a new commandment? This is awesome. As I have loved you. It's always been this. But throughout the New Testament, the reality of the gospel and the mystery is being made known to us. It's being revealed to us. And Jesus is unlocking this truth for us. The commandment hinges on my love for you. The fulfillment of loving your brothers and your sisters, your neighbors, those you like, those you don't like, hinges on as I have loved you. So you love one another. Man, God is good. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus find family and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca